Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, I speak with New York filmmaker Hanan Harkel on his film about a teacher. That's all coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McKee. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Well, uh, it's my 15th day being here in Victoria, BC, uh, which means I am officially out of the self-isolation period. Um, So I was able to go elsewhere in in the house today. Um, I don't really think this means that I'll be changing my routine too much. You know, I, I still want to be as safe and as careful as possible. Uh, so I probably will still be spending most of my day in my little room here in the basement. But I suppose I have a little more freedom now. Speaking of freedom, especially in the current situation that we are in, what does artistic freedom mean? My guest today knows a little bit about that, as he is an artist, filmmaker, animator, classical guitarist, and high school film teacher. He has just released his debut feature film, which appropriately is called About a Teacher, Uh, and focuses on his experience teaching filmmaking uh, at an inner-city public high school. Uh, He has also had animations uh, which have been broadcast all over the world, uh, including his animated series, Jewish uh, Food for Thought. Um, Many of them have aired at over 100 film festivals worldwide, He is also a classical guitarist who has broadcast solo recitals on WQXR New York and has recorded 11 best-selling CDs. His artwork likes to focus on the psychological, sociological, and ethical themes uh, through narrative drawings, paintings, animation, and film. And his film about a teacher, uh, which is not a documentary, uh, it's a narrative, um, Canadian Dov Tiefenbach, uh, plays him, focuses um, not only on, on his experience as a teacher and his struggle for uh, maintaining a, a work-life balance, but also the unique challenges that not, not only film teachers go through, um, but the challenges of being a teacher at a inner city high school uh, and all the unique challenges that, that go along with that uh, in terms of the, the needs of the students. But that's enough of my rambling. I will let my guest Hanan Harkol tell you about that. So here is our conversation. So um, your, your film is about a teacher, uh, which I know is, is based off your personal experience um, teaching in, in the inner city of New York. And you, you, you bookend the film with, with some facts about, about teaching and, and what happened to your students. 
on, on that note, why did you decide to go the the feature film route rather than the documentary route? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. So um, I uh, was very moved by uh, two films, uh, The Social Network and also Spotlight. And in both cases, they were based on actual events, but they were uh, dramatized uh, in a narrative form. And I felt especially the film Spotlight, you know, took very great care to make the story as accurate as possible. But by using actors and the narrative uh, format instead of the documentary format, it allowed me as a viewer to immerse myself much more in the experience. And I, uh, what I wanted to do with the film is I wanted people to really feel what it's like to be a new inner city teacher so that they can understand why um, so many teachers, you know, leave the profession. It's not that they're weak. It's not that they're just, you know, giving up. Um, uh, new teachers really are trying. Um, and it's just, it's a very difficult system to get good at. Um, and I think that the reason is, is because, you know, while teachers are taught pedagogy, um, I don't feel like teachers are properly prepared for how to structure a class in an engaging way, how to manage a class where there's really great interaction going on, um, how to really connect with your students, and how to make sure that um, you know it ends up being uh, engaging on every level. So that's something that it's kind of a situation of trial by fire, and I wanted people to see that, um, that it's not that there's a problem with the kids, it's not that there's a problem with the teachers, it's just that the teachers are just simply not uh, properly prepared for what they're going to face in the classroom. And that was my experience, and I almost left. Um, and I know what was interesting is that you had a lot of your, your former students um, come back to, to work on this film um, as either actors or, or as crew. Um, yeah. what, led, what led to that decision, and, and what was that process like for you bringing all, all these people back? So, um, you know, as you see in the film, in the beginning, I'm not connecting with the kids at all, but um, things start to turn around. I, You know, the film takes you through the first three years, and things started to turn around for me around the second year, um, maybe midway, the end of the second year, where I really started to begin connecting with the kids. And, and now I've been teaching for 11 years, um, and I think the kids are great. Um, and uh, many of the students come back and visit me, um, kids write letters. They're often some of the best film schools. You know, the movie's about me being a film teacher, of course. So um, I, I felt that as my first feature film, what better way to cement that full circle um, than bringing my kids back? Um, and they were phenomenal actors. Um, some of the best actors in the movie were just non-actors. They were just my kids, and I allowed them, you know, I gave them the script, but I allowed them to you know, change or improvise words as they might say it. And um, they did a fabulous job and they were amazing to work with. I, I, I even brought um, one of my former students who had graduated a year and a half before. Um, he had just begun his second uh, year in film school. I brought him to be the cinematographer. Um, and uh, uh, we rented a really expensive camera and he trained on it and he did a phenomenal job. So um, that's Kai Dacassian, the cinematographer of the film. So for me, it was really about um, the kids gave me so much and I wanted to give back to them too, and I, I definitely paid everybody. Um, not everybody the same amount, but I managed to pay everybody. Um, so I, I'm proud of being able to bring my kids back, and um, and I think they did a phenomenal job. And what what was it like casting and, and working with Dove? Because he is playing you. How what were the conversations you had with him? <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, so Dove did Dove Tiefenbach, the, the lead, did an incredible job. And I, I want to tell you just a quick backstory: is that um, we auditioned more than forty people, um, and uh, it was a week before uh, we were supposed to start shooting. And I thought I was going to have to play the lead character, which would have been a disaster because I was, you know, I wrote, directed, and produced the film, so it would have gone up in flames. And six days before shooting, we found Dove. Um, Dove did such a brilliant job. Uh, he's a brilliant actor, and um, you know he did not have much time to prepare. So it was really, uh, you know, on set there were regular times where we really just kind of stopped for an hour or even two. And Dove very meticulously, you know, was asking me about very specific things, and and he, I think he did a remarkable job because it shows you know the transition between someone who's completely inexperienced to someone who actually becomes, you know. Um, an okay teacher by you know the the you know by the end of the thir- third year at least I could hold my own I wasn't a great teacher but I could hold my own and and showing that transformation um, you know with him not being a public high school teacher um, he just did an amazing job um, and it was an incredible experience um, to to see that happen on the screen. You know di- we we have to give a shout out to Dove because he 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 is a he is a Canadian boy um, we all love him. Yeah, uh, he is. <laughs> Uh, up here in Canada, in Toronto, do you do you think do you think the because there, there's a lot of great actors that come out of, of Toronto. Do you think the Canadians have a, a certain sensibility when it comes to acting in the arts? What, anything specific you know noticed with Dove? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, one of the films that I was studying was Half Nelson, which stars, which is another uh, film about a teacher, and that stars Ryan Gosling, who I also believe is Canadian. Isn't it true? Yes, it is. Yes. And and um, so basically, uh, you know, Dove and I were talking about that film, and and I, I yeah, I mean, I think I think Canadians are amazing on, on many levels. So in graduate school, uh, when I was getting my master's. Um, some of my best friends were Canadian, and, um, and also one of my favorite uh, musical artists is uh, Neil Young. And uh, yes, I mean some of the great great actors are uh, Canadian, and I, I just think you guys—I um, don't know what it is. I, I feel like you have a, a, um, a deeper sensitivity uh, for just people in general and humanity in general. Um, I find uh, Canadians to be very in tune with their humanity which is what makes it very easy for me to connect with Canadians. And, and, and the artwork that you produce is, is just brilliant. So, yes, I mean, um, I, was, I was very, very pleased with his performance, and, and I love Canadians. You, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, as a teacher, you felt teachers aren't necessarily given the right tools or, you know, the right preparation. And is it because the, the people who, who run these systems, the superintendents, Aren't, don't actually come from a teaching background. What is it about the system that you think needs to change? Well, um, it's a, that's a really good question. I, I have a couple of things to say about it. And, 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 and the reason it's a couple of things is because this is a very complicated question and a complicated answer. So on the one hand, in the movie, without giving you know, too much away, in the movie... You know, he's been given a lot of advice that, that some teachers refer to as pedagogical mumbo-jumbo. 
But what ends up happening is, is towards the end of the movie, one of the ways that he ends up becoming a more successful teacher is he actually implements a lot of that pedagogical mumbo jumbo. You know, he implements group work. He makes things more student-led. So um, it's not that the information that's given to the teachers is bad information. It's just that it's very abstract information. So there's not enough time for teachers just dealing with the day-to-day of the classroom to really adopt and practice that information, um, if this makes sense. So, um, uh, you know, one thing is to say that group work works very well, but figuring out how to implement group work is very difficult. My wife is, is from Austria, and she explained to me that in Austria, after, uh, you know, uh, studying your subject, you're in a classroom for two years under a master teacher every single day where, where the master teacher is coaching you for two years um, so, until the master teacher feels like you're really ready to take on the class by yourself. And at that point, they let go of the reins. So it's, it's much less kind of hands-on training. Um, I think, you know, we spend billions of dollars on education, but um, uh, they're not really listening and hearing enough to uh, the problems that 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 uh, teachers go through, um, I don't think that it's ill intention. I think everyone, including the administrators, are trying as hard as they can. Um, but obviously, if you just look at the statistics, it's not working for a lot of people. Um, so you know, I um, and then just the last piece of that, if I may, just add in there's there's a, a book I believe it was from 2015 uh, by Dale Rosikoff, I believe, and she was documenting this experiment that was led by Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, where he invested $100 million into Newark, New Jersey public school system. And that was matched by another $100 million from Cory Booker's, um, you know, the, uh, the city of Newark, New Jersey. And they decided with those $200 million, they're going to transform Newark, New Jersey public schools, and then go one by one across the country and reform the public school system. Well, the book documents how um, the, the $200 million were squandered it was a, a horrible failure. Nobody wanted to be associated with a project anymore. Um, and the interesting thing about it is that the one people, the one group of people that they did not consult, you know, they brought all, all these expensive consultants from Harvard, but they did not consult a single teacher. Um, so they don't, re- I guess they didn't realize or trust that actually teachers, experienced teachers, they know what problems are that the teachers face. And this is one of the reasons that I made the movie is that, you know, this is a movie for teachers, about teachers, showing what teachers go through and showing that it's not the fault of the students, it's not the fault of the teachers, it's just teachers, you know, need more support. And they also need to be, I believe, respected and appreciated more because we are the ones who are at the front lines. I think right now with what's going on with COVID and so many kids being, you know, uh, at home, I think parents are beginning to get a real appreciation of how difficult it is you know, the teachers have 30 people in a room all with their own needs, and they somehow manage to orchestrate it beautifully, like, you know, a beautiful orchestra, um, and, and have the kids successful. I was not doing that in my first year, um, and I think I really did a disservice to my kids in the first year. But as years went along, now I've been teaching for 11 years, and, and it's a different story. You know, and the, the school that you, you teach at, or, or this the school in the film, can be described as, as an inner city school. And that's a term we hear a lot about, but not everyone maybe fully understands what that is and maybe the, the unique challenges that that type of school uh, presents. 
How, how would you describe it? So when I first came to the school, it was a very different school. Um, uh, you know, there were, um, as the movie describes, numerous principals and uh, the principals, especially the last principals, uh, you know, did a major transformation of the school for the better. The academic scores went up tremendously. So um, it's not the same school that where I began teaching. But what I mean by inner city schools um, what happens is the inner city public schools, at least in New York, are for the most part um, uh, with severely socioeconomically disadvantaged students. Um, the, the, uh, the students um, are either living in, in many cases, um, socioeconomically disadvantaged neighborhoods, um, and a lot of times the students are traveling very far to get to school. Um, that doesn't change the fact that the students very, very much want to learn and deserve a great education but unfortunately what ends up happening is is um uh, it, it becomes such so overwhelming for many teachers and when the teachers leave the students are left with inexperienced teachers over and over and over again and a lot of the experienced teachers end up leaving to the suburbs um so uh, it's challenging uh, it's um uh, yeah that's, that's, that's the best way that I can describe it. On the other hand, one of the things that was so amazing about working in an inner city school is that um, I, I, uh, I learned so much and continue to learn so much from my students. I feel like part of the uh, magic was me having to have the humility to realize that I know nothing. And then my, my students are my teachers. And um, when I compare myself at that age, to most of the students that I teach, you know, I uh, was so um, naive. Um, many of these students have such deep life experiences. They're so much more mature. They're so much more self-sufficient. They've experienced so many more things. And as a result, they tell more interesting stories. And they're also fighters. They're really, you know, they, they have in them a, a, a fighting spirit that um, uh, of perseverance and not giving up. And um, I the job for me as a teacher is to channel that wonderful resilience and energy and challenge that into academics and schoolwork. Because when, 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 when you channel it in that way, um, the, the kids' resilience um, and fighting spirit um, ends up making sure that they never give up. And, and, and I, I see such, such golden um, resilience, that's the best way I can describe it, in my in my kids, and and they're also just um, amazingly beautiful uh, people. You know, when when I took drama in high school and, and was a student teacher for for media arts, there's definitely this perception that taking arts as an elective is is an easy mark or or, or an easy grade. How do you, as as a teacher, how do you deal with that misconception? Um, well, so. The, the school that I am uh, describing in the movie is a career and technical uh, education school, so CTE, career and technical education, which is um, what most people would have described previously as maybe like a vocational school. It's a little bit different in the sense that um, in addition to all the academics 
that ever, anyone in New York City has to study. In a career and technical education school, they also um, choose a professional subject, and in this case, it's an artistic subject. So they can major in graphic design or film or photography, but they learn it from industry experts over three years. And as a result, the kids come out of high school um, already being professional in a certain subject. Um, uh, and the reason that this is really crucial is because it, it, through uh, an art subject like that, where they can really go in depth into learning how to make movies, uh, everything from planning, filming, and editing on Adobe Premiere Pro, the students end up uh, not only becoming very, very good at a skill that is you know, recognized in industry, but they're able then to tell their own stories, and they see how important their stories are, um, and there's a real sense of accomplishment. And, and that sense of accomplishment and that sense of experience and realizing how they're winning thousands of dollars for the films that they're making and that they're being recognized, that ends up feeding then into this optimism that then also encourages the kids to want to do better in their academics. So I think um, the fact that the arts and uh, music is, um, I would say, relatively underappreciated in the school system in the United States compared to, for example, Europe, um, I think that ultimately does a disservice to the kids. You know, there have been multiple studies of how studying music and the arts can end up then um, making you better in math. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just a direct correlation in terms of that, um, that kind of uh, outside-of-the-box thinking, the abstract thinking, the higher-order thinking that goes on in uh, making art. And, and how it then connects to academics. So um, I feel very fortunate that I had the experience of being able to teach art on such a high level to such amazing kids. You know, the, your, your character in the film always has trouble with getting the kids off, off the computers, you know, and we're seeing computers everywhere in, in schools and in classrooms these days. What is your opinion about techn uh, technology and that type of technology in the classroom as a learning tool? Um, I think that all of these tools are amazing um, as long as the person who's facilitating the class structures the class in a way that um, keeps the students um, engaged and stimulated in a way where they're actually actively learning. So a lot of the time what technology can result in is this kind of just passive experience where a student is just sitting back and taking things in. So I can give you an example. You know, um, uh, if we're watching a film, you know, one way to experience a film is you just watch the whole film from beginning to end, which is the way it's done in college and in film studies classes. But the, the danger there is just watching a film from beginning to end is that um, uh, not every kid in the classroom is going to be thinking about the the questions and the aspects of the film that they might um, be thinking about if the class was structured instead in a way where um, you know the film is stopped at various points and there are discussions going on and different groups of kids are analyzing uh, you know with very uh, prompts that end up encouraging you know this very metacognitive kind of approach. So. Um, you know, I, I really think that it depends upon the facilitator. A facilitator, a great teacher, I think can use technology as an incredible asset. Um, it just has to be implemented the right way. I guess that's the best answer I can give in a short. 
Um, but you know, we're we're seeing technology being used in a new way during you know the the lock the lockdown and quarantine. How do you think the current global situation that we're all experiencing will affect teaching and especially arts education going forward? Well, that's a very difficult question. I can talk about my own experience. And again, uh, it's going well for me, but I really believe that that's because, I, you know, I have many years of teaching experience and, um, and, and structuring uh, my classes. You know, um, uh, I, good teaching depends very, very much on preparation. So I had to come up with uh, a lot of new systems for this remote teaching. Um, but I, I've been doing it now for two weeks and I have a nearly 100% attendance rate. Um, and the thing that's going to suffer most is, is that the kids normally produce films in groups, so they are feeding off of each other in that way. Now the kids, unfortunately, are going to be pr producing films independently on their phones, on their smartphones, and editing them on their smartphones for the ones that might not have you know, uh, a laptop computer for editing. Um, but New York is providing laptops also for kids who, who, who don't have access to it. Um, but uh, what, what we're missing is, is the energy in the classroom, and what we're missing is the energy of the group work of kids, you know, feeding off of each other. Um, instead, that's been translated, um, you know, in a, in a reduced form, that we're all on a, on a Google Meet together or a Zoom Meet together, um, and, you know, um, kids are able to participate in the chat groups and... Um, and speak with each other, but it's not the same as a classroom. Um, and I hope that this is just temporary, but you know, I feel very bad for the kids. The kids want to learn. Um, and, uh, a lot of them are, are feeling, um, lonely and bored. And, um, I know that they're very appreciative of the daily meets. I meet with my students every weekday at the same time, same structure, same expectations. And, um, and they know that of me and uh, they wouldn't expect anything less of me. So, um, but for every teacher, it's different. This is definitely a shock to the system. You know, we, there, there are phrases that, uh, Miss Murray uses in the film, like criteria for success, critical thinking, state mandate. Yeah. But how, yeah. Like, how do you go about, you know, mandating art because art is such a u unique form of expression. Right. So um, you're pinpointing something that is uh, a real key thing that I wanted to make about the film. I felt that most films that I was seeing were just poor caricatures of what teachers were actually going through. Um, and one of the ways that I made this or tried to make the film extremely authentic is that I actually used um, you know the same terminology that we're uh, um, that we're using, and uh, in the New York uh, state system, and also in many many other states in the United States, one of the main ways that they uh, evaluate teachers and encourage teachers to work is according to a system called Danielson. It's actually a brilliant system, um, and it's a system in which um, it really focuses on having the uh, students leading the conversation and um, students leading the questioning and have it much more student-oriented as opposed to just a teacher standing in the front and lecturing because, of course, when a student's standing in the front and lecturing, um, the kids may be quiet, they may be seeming like they're listening, but it could very well be that half of the kids are tuning out or maybe a quarter of the kids aren't even understanding what's going on. So when you break the kids into groups, 
um, and you have them leading uh, the activity, um, there's a lot more accountability and there's a lot more uh, engagement and involvement by the kid. So that's kind of a summary of the Danielson model. Um, how does that relate to art? It relates to art because what ends up happening is, um, you know, if, if it's a class where each kid is making their own individual drawing, that's one thing. But if you're doing some anything that involves kind of in, engaging or teaching with a classroom, it's it's very difficult to really account for and make sure that you you're actually reaching and connecting with every kid. So when they're talking about um, criteria for success, which is how a student um, uh, evaluates themselves in terms of whether they're understanding what they need to understand, um, uh, or you know all the other various terminology. These are all systems that were built in place to try to help the, the teacher organize their lesson and organize their class in a way that assures the highest level of student engagement. Again, unfortunately, while the system is brilliant, the implementation of the system is extremely difficult. And I'm not really sure that teachers uh, are getting the right kind of training in how to actually apply that system. It took me many, many years to learn how to become a highly effective teacher and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, a lot of very frustrating experiences. And I'm not sure it has to be that that hard. I think it can be taught better. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, you know, just, just as a follow-up on that, when we're talking about, you know, art, for you, what is truth in in art whether it's expression or 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 story or or anything like that so one of the things that i encourage my students in filmmaking is that um you know there's a story that there, there is one thing that they know better than anybody else um and of course that is their own experience you know what's happening for them so if they can find a way to tap into their own experience as I have by making a movie about my own experience, um, the authenticity is going to is going to hopefully shine through, because you're talking about something that really happened to you, um, and if you can connect with that visceral experience, um, even if other people haven't had that same experience, they connect with the authenticity of of the humanity of what's going on. Um, and um, just kind of a follow up to what you were saying in art, um, you know, even even in that classroom where there are students just individually painting, individually drawing on their own painting or own drawing, even there, if you, if you set up groups where the students have to engage each other and then a student gets to ask another student, well, you know, I'm, I'm curious about this choice. Why did you choose to draw this line in this way? Or what was behind your thinking of choosing this color red? Or what were you hoping that the viewer gets when they see this? this uh, painting, when they're engaging in that conversation, it forces each individual student to be thinking about their decisions critically and to be asking themselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? So the pedagogy behind it is, again, really smart. The implementation of it is very hard. And to expect a new teacher to be able to just drop in and be able to do this well is, is, is unfair to the teacher and unfair to the student. There's a there's a there's a few scenes uh, earlier on in the film where Dove's character is, is talking to his wife and the struggle that the two of them are facing with him being a teacher. 
both as as a teacher and as an artist, what was that process like for you in, in finding that work-life balance? Uh, the first year, it was impossible. You know, it caused a lot of tension between uh, me and my wife. It was an all it still is an all-consuming job, but um, I, it, the first year was just I felt like I was in a war, and um, and also. What happens is when you, another reason why I hate the movie, when you try to tell someone what teaching is like, um, I, I just don't feel that people really hear it, which is why I wanted to immerse people in this experience. Um, it's this feeling of no matter what you do, it's not enough. And I still feel that way after 11 years. I still feel like I'm not doing enough. Um, I'm always finding, you know, flaws. And, um, and, and it's very difficult to be in a job where you feel all the time like nothing you're doing is good enough. And whenever something goes wrong, you get blamed for it. I really wanted to show what te what heroes teachers are because, you know, they're the ones on the front lines. Um, so in terms of work-life balance and home-life balance, you know, uh, the people at home, unfortunately, bear the brunt of, um, you know, the, the exhaustion, the all-consuming. By the time... You come back from school, you're physically and most importantly mentally, you're just wiped. Um, you know, I can't make artwork when I come home. I have to wait till I'm on my summer break till I can make artwork. Um, so it's something that caused a lot of friction, especially in the beginning. Um, and uh, I feel like it's something that people can't really understand until they've been in that situation. I remember um, speaking to um, some people who said, yeah, um, I have a relative who taught and dropped out. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, like it's very difficult. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Her experience was like unbelievable. You know, she was going to have a nervous breakdown. And I'm like, yes, I understand. Like, this is why I made the movie. I wanted to show people that, and, and you know, my, 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 my portrayal of, of what I experienced, um, it felt internally even more devastating. So, um, anyway. Uh, it, it struck me that Dove's character, um, at least in some scenes, bordered on a maybe a, a bit neurotic. Uh, I, I'm curious if, if that was a, a Dove choice or, or if that was a, a, a you choice as a director. Um, I, I am definitely neurotic. Uh, I, I'm definitely hyper and definitely neurotic. Um, so you're catching me more at the end of the day, so I'm less energy than I normally am, but I'm, I'm usually bouncing off the walls. So, you know, I, I, I think it was a combination. You know, I, I, I think I was directing him in a way to, to show him as, as neurotic and uh, a little hyper and nervous and worrying and that kind of a thing. Um, and that definitely is my personality. Um, and uh, at the same time, I also wanted to show later in the movie how he begins to connect with the kids and their stories um, and their humanity. Um, so I also wanted him to show them um, uh, a deep sense of empathy and, and compassion. You know, we the, the film does end with the fact that, you know, your students have won so many awards and, and so much money and so many prizes. And we're in the age now where everybody can make music or everybody can make a film or everybody can do this. For you, what is the power of a student film? Um, I think that teenagers, uh, you know, I teach 15, 16, and 17-year-olds. And I feel that the, sorry, those are my, my kids, my own kids in the background. <laughs> um, 
I, I feel that that age, 15, 16, and 17, and especially these kids that live in the inner city, um, I feel like there is a, you know, they're right on the borderline of, um, you know, they're still kids, they're definitely still kids, but they're just kind of budding on adulthood. And they're kind of playing with the idea of adulthood a little bit. And I think that a lot of the experiences that they have are experiences that would be even um, difficult for many adults um, and are difficult for many adults. Um, and I feel that all of that uh, life experience um, uh, comes through, and it comes through in, in, um, in a genuine way that only teenagers can express. Um, you know, um, teenagers in many ways have no fear. <laughs> they just let it out, um, as long as it's the right environment. Um, again, in the beginning, when I was just a really bad teacher, um, I was guarded, and that also made the kids guarded, and, you know, not much happens there. But um, if you can make a connection, uh, their kids are just uh, an, an endless source of inspiration and wisdom and creativity um, and a genuine humanity. You know, there, there's a couple of really powerful conversations that, you know, characters like uh, Sophia uh, and... Uh, I forget the other kid's name, that have with your character. And it strikes me that, uh, you know, a, a lot of these ha has to go back to, to mental health, um, especially mental health of young people, which is yeah. a, a conversation that we're, 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 we're having more, whether it's, you know, resources or, or lack of resources. Um, where, where are you at in, in terms of talking about, about mental health uh, of your students and, and, and what we can do to, to, to help them in that regard? Yeah, so, um, you know, I want to say that, uh, you know, at the school that was uh, just, if you hold on one second, I'm just going to ask my, my kids, guys, I'm being recorded for a podcast, so I need you guys to turn it down a little Sorry about that. So, oh, so sorry. Um, so, uh, I, in, in the school that I was portraying, the school that I was portraying um, is based on... Uh, a ratio between counselors and students of about 400 students to one counselor. And you ask yourself, how can, how can, how can one counselor be responsible for 400 students? And the thing is that they can't, right? They can't. So uh, inevitably, um, since the kids are seeing their art teacher every day for an hour and a half, um, and they're expressing all of these personal emotions through their artwork every day for an hour and a half, and they get to know that and feel safe in that environment every day for an hour and a half. Inevitably, who do they end up spilling their problems out to? Their teacher, right? And this happens all over. So many of the stories are stories that I experienced, but um, they're composites, meaning composites of various stories that I heard um, lumped into like one character just to protect the identity of people, right? So um, names, genders, races, everything has been changed. Um, but I might lump portions of three different stories into one character um, and change a couple of details. But the essence of what you're experiencing in the movie are the types of stories not only that I hear on a regular basis from my students, but also the types of stories that many, many of my colleagues express that they hear to me. Um, so this is just, you know, um, people have complicated lives. And, um, and, and that that applies whether you're in the inner city or not. I, I taught... Um, uh, private guitar lessons in a in a private school in New Jersey that was 
one of the most you know prestigious schools in the country and kids had all sorts of problems going on so um that's not just limited to inner city uh teenage years are very complicated and the kids need some kind of outlet and inevitably it falls on on the shoulders of the teachers it's an incredibly demanding job on on every level um you know uh yeah anyway that's what i wanted to say um now you mentioned that you were initially worried that you might have to play the lead role before you found Dove, but you do have uh, a cameo in the movie as as the new principal uh, who comes to congratulate Dove's character based on you on on his job improvement. Was that yeah, always I, I, a given that that, that that you were going to do that? What was that? Was that always a given that that you were going to sort of play that role as as a, as a nod to yourself? No, I. Originally, I was just going to have that one little cameo where I come in and as an administrator um, looking at the chaotic classroom with a clipboard and just shaking my head and writing some things down and leaving. It was supposed to be just that non-speaking role, but unfortunately, the actor that we were using, it just it ended up not being a good fit. And um, as films go, you know, um, you have the place booked for a certain amount of days and you have to get a certain amount of scenes done every day. And... We couldn't find any anybody to fill in in that role, so I ended up then jumping in in the role of the uh, administrator, which was uh, meant to be a, an assistant principal who comes in and was actually like listening on the outside, kind of observing how Hanan had progressed. Um, but it's it's uh, it, I was not expecting to do it, and I I hope it was a convincing because <laughs> I, I I'm not an administrator, but um, I I tried my best to act as one. How weird was it for you? Because it because it got a little bit meta. Here you are, the writer, director, producer of this film, talking to the actor who's playing your younger self. Um, it was really strange. It was really funny, and, and it was surreal. And um, and I, I, it was also another nod to teachers. You know, um, I I uh, I released the trailer of the film on a private Facebook page for teachers. And in two days, got more than 5,000 views with dozens and dozens and dozens of comments from teachers saying this is the most authentic, um, you know, teacher film I've seen, and it's only the trailer. Um, and uh, what I, I wanted, it, I wanted to play an administrator to kind of show uh, teachers that that I know what it's like for an administrator to come in and either praise or not praise you, whatever it is. There's a certain I don't know, hierarchy or something in the system where there's just kind of this underlying element of fear and constantly being evaluated. One teacher described it as it's the only job where you're constantly going on a job interview. You know, like six times a year, you have to go on a job interview, meaning that they come in and observe you and see whether you're doing a good job or not, which, of course, is necessary, but it's also, you know, very um, stressful because not every day is going to go as well as other days. And there might be days where you have a fantastic class going on and other days where things just aren't going as well, but you never really know when they're coming in or not. So, you know, it's that kind of a thing. You know, I've, I've briefly tried the teacher thing and I, I enjoyed it, but it struck me that I maybe didn't have the discipline to be a teacher. Are there, do do you find that you, you have to have a certain, personality to be in charge of a group of kids? Um, you know, it's very difficult for me to... to I, I know what works for me, 
right? And the system that works for me requires also my kind of personality. When I try to impose the tools and techniques that I use on somebody who doesn't have my personality, um, that doesn't work for them. I know some teachers that are very, very soft-spoken and almost at a whisper, and still they have like a very effective teaching method, and and their kids, it's very like it, the kids are really engaged and responding. Um, and I'm more bouncing off of the walls. And this is this is where um, you know an administration or a school system will come back. Um, you know, the, the flip side of my argument, saying that teachers are not being trained enough. You know, they would come back and say. There is no one-size-fits-all. Every teacher has to figure out what works for them. And there is that line in the movie where a teacher who's, who's successful tells Hanan, you have to figure out what works for you. There is absolutely an element of truth to that. Um, uh, I, I can't say that there's one personality type that makes a great teacher because I've seen so many different personality types that are great teachers in their own way. So it is true that everybody has to find their own way and one-size-doesn't-fit-all. However... There's a big difference between that and just taking someone who had two or three year, two or three months as a, a student teacher in someone else's classroom, and then just suddenly throwing them in a classroom with 30 kids. Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a big difference between saying that there's not one size fits all. It's all you have to figure out what works for you, and just throwing someone in there in that kind of situation. We we know what teachers can teach students and how they can help students. But I'm curious what you've learned from, from your students and, and how they've helped you these past 11 years. Um, I'm so sorry. Can you repeat the question? I apologize. Yeah. Um, I was just asking, how, what have you learned from your students and how have they helped you over these last 11 years? Yeah. So um, for me, the key to becoming a successful teacher is first, uh, to have the humility to recognize that my students are my teachers. Um, I learn from my students and they teach me and it has to be about them. And my job as a teacher is to, as I see it, is to change and adapt what I'm doing to figure out how best to connect with the kids because they're the ones, it's about them. So the, the title, uh, uh, you know, about a teacher is an ironic title because Hanan actually realizes that it's not about him, right? It's about the kids. So, um, uh, and, and, and that starts with really saying, okay, if something isn't working outright, um, it's not that there's a problem with a kid. It's that I need to really listen better and figure out what, what need is being expressed here so I can adapt what I'm doing to, to meet what the kid is saying. And, um, and, and that by default means I have to listen and learn and hear and have the humility to, to realize that my students are my teachers. Um, and that goes at, at a very profound concept, but I, I'm a firm believer about that. My, my students are my teachers and I continue to learn from them and I continue to learn from them how to live a, a better uh, life and be a better human being. Um, one of the projects that I'm more well known for is a series of animations that are all free online. It's called Jewish Food for Thought, and it's funded by the Covenant Foundation, which is a Jewish education organization, and it's these short animations that I make. Um, you can find them just by, if you type into YouTube, the word Jewish and then forgiveness, 
those two words, or Jewish and envy, or Jewish and gratitude, and you'll see these black and white animations. So all of this ethical teaching about um, uh, judging others in a favorable light, or ethical teachings about humility, or ethical teachings about kindness, they all come to play as a job as a teacher. Um, you never really, I've, I never really experienced uh, what it's like to really need to be humble until I became a teacher. And it, and it, it deepened my, my, my empathy and my understanding and appreciation of, of what other human beings have to offer to me. Um, so all of the Jewish ethical teachings that I, that I put in those animations really came to test and came to light in my job as a public high school teacher. It's still today, even though I've been doing it for 11 years, it's still today the hardest job I've ever done in my entire life, but also the most meaningful and rewarding. Uh, so, you know, you, you've made this film, uh, which is about your life, uh, you know, your first feature. Do you have any plans to, to make more films, or do you think you'll stick, stick with teaching or, or find some way to do both? Right, so I made this film while teaching, and what does that mean? Um, you know, since becoming a teacher, uh, I've been more productive in my art. So I started teaching 11 years ago, and in those 11 years, I recorded my 10th and 11th classical guitar CD. Um, I made 13 animations, had a solo museum exhibition, and I wrote um, and directed and, and produced uh, this feature film. And um, how is that connected to teaching? Um, is because if I'm going to be giving everything I have to my kids, meaning not my own biological kids, but my students, um, during the day, um, it means that I have to make sure that my own creative energies have been explored um, and indulged in. And what that means is is that during all of the breaks um, is when I work on my artwork. So any time that a teacher is on break is when I'm hunkering down and working on my art. So this film was made over five years. In 2015, I started uh, writing the script. In 2016, I filmed The Sizzle. Um, in 2017, I finalized the script. These, these are in the, in, I meant to say in the summers. It's always in the summers, in the two months in the summer. So in the summer of 2018, I filmed the film. And the summer of 2019, you know, I oversaw the post-production of the film. So um, I, what I mean to say by that is that uh, uh, the, the breaks is when I make my artwork. Um, and what fills me with a life experience to be able to make my artwork my day job as a teacher. So I plan five years from now, hopefully I'll, I'll be working on another feature film, um, but I will also, uh, I plan on continuing to be a teacher until I retire. Um, I, I feel that it's, uh, it's a duty. And um, when I see how it transforms the life, um, you know, one of my students now just got accepted uh, to NYU Film School, which is the number two film school in the country. Um, and they gave her enough scholarships that she can go for four years. She also made a film uh, um, that was showcased by HBO, and she's incredibly talented, a great student, and now she's going to go to a great school, and her life is, is set. Um, for me, it's unbelievable. You know the story that I told about the kid who dropped out but then came back to speak to me about, um, you know, how he moved. You know what I mean if you, yes. if you saw, you know. I don't want to give away the scene, but that really happened in real life. So you have a real impact on people. Um, and when you have an impact on a person, that means you have then an impact on all the future generations. So, um, you know, 
Uh, and, and finally, what, what advice would, would you give young people who either want to pursue a career in art or, or a career in education? Um, one of the cohorts, one of the groups that I was making the film for were new teachers. I, I don't want them to give up. I want them to know that they're heard, that they're understood, that what they're going through and feeling is completely normal. Uh, it's not their fault. It's not the fault of a new teacher, but it's also not the fault of the kids, and uh, meaning the students. And um, and I, I, I want people who are going into education to look at this film and know that it's extremely challenging. They're going to have to do a lot of preparation, and they're going to have to be prepared for a, a long, a long um, journey. Um, the first year or two are really, really, really tough. But I want them to know that it does get better. It does get better. And then you can have an incredibly powerful impact on the lives of many people. And that impact will also change you. That impact will have a, an incredible, strong effect upon you. And in terms of what I have to say to artists, it's the same thing that I tell my student artists. To me, um, tell your story. Uh, make things authentic. Talk about what you know about. Um, and if you reach into the real depths, the good and the bad, of what's going on in your life, in your experience, the good and the bad, it has to be unvarnished, um, and you're really honest about it, and you express it really honestly, it's, it's going to resonate with other people. As you see near the end of the movie when the students are pitching documentaries, those pitches are actual student pitches. I got permission from the students that pitched the documentaries in real life, you know, years ago. I got their permission to use those pitches um, in my uh, documentary. You know, I changed some details, but those were essentially, you know, their pitches. And when you hear those pitches of those documentaries and you hear the stories that the kids are coming up with, it's just a testament to great art um, when you really talk about who, what's going on for you in an authentic way. Even if the audience has not had that specific experience, they will resonate with the truth and the authenticity um, of what you're sharing. And that, to me, is, is, is the heart of art. Well, the film is about a teacher, uh, directed, written and directed by Hanan Harkal, my guest. Hanan, thank you so much for your time today. It's, it's a really great film. Um, you asked phenomenal questions. And uh, I'm sorry for all the you know, disturbances and breakups in the middle, but I, I, um, uh, it was just a real joy and privilege to be part of um, your podcast. And um, thank you very, very much. Oh, thank, thank you so much. That was my conversation with artist, filmmaker, animator, guitarist, and teacher Hanan Harkol. His film about a teacher is out now. That does it for me today. I'll have two more shows this week, and my guests will be Philip Sace and author Rachel Matlow. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next time. Bye for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs>